When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Eric Say has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Eric. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, February 28th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the shores of Lake Merritt, I'm Justin Robert Young. And underneath the sunny skies, I'm the show's producer, Roger Shank. Let's talk tech. We've got warnings. We've got portents. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff coming your way today. And let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung says that the Galaxy S10 and S10 Plus will ship with a pre-installed plastic screen protector similar to what OnePlus does. The ultrasonic in-display fingerprint sensor means that not all 30 third-party screen protectors are going to work. Samsung will sell extras of the protector for $29.99, while current tempered glass screen protectors don't seem to work with the S10's fingerprint sensor. Some companies claim they'll have compatible screens after all. Motorola told Engadget this week that it indeed plans to launch a foldable phone first seen in a patent filing from the company, which describes a smartphone that features a large internal display that bends in half when the device is closed. Motorola VP of Global Product Dan Derry says that they're also exploring a dual hinge device with a single screen that folds twice, leaving only a third of the display exposed when in phone mode. More than more than one person has asked me when we're going to see a, the flip phone with the touchscreen inside. So there you go. Uh, Reddit is testing letting users tip real money to posters. Uh, Reddit users can now choose $3, $5, $10, or even enter a custom amount. A Reddit admin said 78.5% of the money will go to the tipped user, 18.5% to Reddit, and 3% is kept by Stripe, who processes the payment. A Reddit spokesman warned... Only a small percent of experiments get implemented, and this test right now only works with one Reddit user, the user known for adding the WWE-themed line to the end of posts in 1998 when The Undertaker threw mankind off hell in a cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table. My goodness. All right, jury, let's talk about Amazon. Amazon announced Project Zero in an effort to eliminate counterfeit products from its site. Companies can apply to be given the power to flag and remove listings of their products that they believe are counterfeit. Right now, companies have to submit a request to Amazon to have such products removed. Amazon will train employees of Product Zero companies, which must maintain a high bar of accuracy to keep their Project Zero privileges. 
Amazon is also letting companies submit logos, trademarks, and other info for an automated removal system. And for a service cost of one to five cents per unit, Amazon will scan products as they leave the warehouse to look for a special serial code. Now, that last one I think makes sense. Uh, we'll stamp a code on our stuff. Amazon, as you're shipping it, make sure it's real. Uh, that that seems fairly foolproof. I'm, I'm sure somebody could maybe fake the code or something, but that that one doesn't look, sound like it'll lead to false positives. Uh, anything that's scanning for logos and automatically removing starts to sound like the YouTube content ID bot, which, uh, as we very well know right here at this very show, isn't perfect, doesn't always get it right. And companies being given the power to remove things. Amazon's saying the right things, like we're going to hold them to a high level of accuracy. We're going to vet it. We're not going to give it to everybody. That could go wrong. Justin, you you do this. You sell stuff through Amazon. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so I know that you know particularly there's a need for this. Well, certainly. I, I, I think that they're, you know, for, for our products with the games, uh, uh, there's not a tremendous problem that someone's going to wholesale rip stuff off. But certainly once you get into more commoditized markets or you get into games that uh, are printed in China, very often people can just run off different copies and sell them to the highest bidder. Uh, they are, it is a major problem because what you, what you wind up seeing in those markets is that even if it is for a day, two days, maybe a week, right? That is a, a chunk of momentum that is taken out. And also in the mind of the consumer, you've reset a, a price bar that mm -hmm. might not be feasible for you. They're only able to get it because they're getting it uh, 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 against Bard. Now, to your point, Tom, I don't think that we would have as big of a problem with the YouTube algorithm bot if when somebody's uh, a challenge was overturned, they got a strike. Right. If, if, if you had the idea that, OK, I can use this, I can flag stuff. But if I really challenge it, if I go to the mat for it, somebody's getting a strike either left or right. Then I think it would moderate its use a little bit more. The problem isn't the flagging or maybe even the removal. The problem is people abusing it. And yeah. as long as Amazon can do that, that's the key. We don't know how they're doing it. Amazon says they're doing it. We don't know what the mechanism is for it. Uh, and granted, you've got a smaller number of players here than I think you even have on YouTube. Uh, you're going to have big, big clothing retailers, bag makers, etc. Uh, uh, I'm a little nervous about it, though. I'm going to keep my eye on it. Yeah, what, one, one final point of order in terms of the scanning, that's only for stuff that also comes out of Amazon Fulfillment Warehouse. Right. Good point. So uh, it's not Amazon also will sell things that you can ship from your own warehouse. It would not have any effect there. But if they are also fulfilling by Amazon, then you would be able to gain a, a peace of mind. Could cut scale. off one more avenue. Yeah. yeah. Well, another Amazon news, the company launched Amazon Day for Prime members in the U.S. to let them control what day of the week their orders arrive. If you're a person who gets a lot of stuff on Amazon, this could be advantageous for you. Amazon says that orders will arrive together on that selected Amazon Day of your choice in fewer boxes and allow for more predictable delivery. The company also said it tested Amazon Day with a group of Prime members didn't say how many Prime members it tested it with, but did say that the results reduced packaging by tens of thousands of boxes over several months. Now, as somebody who is, I'm somewhat, I was somewhat reluctant to become an Amazon devotee. I, I, I've always wanted to sort of, uh, you know, 
uh, give my patronage to to the local pet store down the corner, right? Instead of getting it on Amazon. Well, those days are over because Sarah's tired. <laughs> However, I'm sick of breaking down all those boxes. And it's true that there are there are times where I'm like, man, like that truck just used all that gasoline to come to my house three days this week. And all that stuff could have been kind of given to me on Monday type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're I don't know, somebody who maybe works from home one day of the week and you're worried about your packages getting stolen, which some people are, depending on where you live and, and what the setup is. This works This works for the company for sure because they can streamline their delivery service. But I think depending on the, the member, it, it works really well too. It can also uh, mean it, you lose all your packages if somebody stole them, uh, I suppose. I suppose but, so, yeah, yes. Hopefully that's balanced out, yeah. Uh, uh, Number one, this is a gigantic win and a flex by Amazon at how good they've gotten at logistics. This Mm. is the understanding of their entire business. The idea that they can not only uh, uh, gather all these things and sell them for a profit, albeit a meager one, at the price that they sell it at, but then also do the added degree of difficulty and having it come to your house the day that you want to is funny. And also... Isn't it hilarious that the initial concept of Prime was that you got everything you ordered in two days, and now we have come so far that we are uh, 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 <laughs> rejoicing that we can now get it five days after uh, <laughs> we want. Well, it's, it's about control. And, it, it's about control, right? It's the same it thing is. as cord cutting. It's it's about, do you want it the same day? We got an option for that. You want it in two days? Yeah. We got an option for that. You want it all to come on one day on Tuesday? Great. We got an option for that. Whatever you want. Well, and yeah, and, and it depends on the volume that you're using this, you know, at. As a Prime member... I now have enough packages coming to my house that, yeah, I'd rather them all come on Monday Mm. and I'll just bring them all upstairs. It's going to be annoying, but that's the only day I have to do it. That actually works better for me. Doesn't necessarily work better for everybody, but I I think that Amazon's uh, going down the right road with this, so to speak. (laughs) That's funny. Isn't it? Justin, Uh, would you like to tell us about YouTube? I know it's not a fun oh, story. Yes, sorry. YouTube announced that it will disable comments on all videos featuring minors. YouTube previously disabled comments on millions of videos in order to prevent communication between pedophiles. A small number of creators that closely moderate comments and demonstrate a low risk of predatory comments will be allowed to keep them open on videos with minors in them. YouTube says it improved its comment classifier that can identify and remove predatory comments in any video automatically. So the big thing here is shutting down comments on any video that is not from a big creator. I mean, Grant, basically, you know, <laughs> little little Ryan who makes millions of dollars for himself in YouTube, they're not going to shut down comments on that if Ryan doesn't, Ryan's family doesn't want that. But uh, everybody else, the masses, they'll just shut the comments down so they don't have to deal with it. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you don't get a choice in the matter. Which, Justin, I, I I know we were talking before the show, that's kind of different than the the traditional internet. We're old enough on the internet now to have old ways changing. Uh, it's certainly so. And, and here's my larger question, because I think it does answer to this issue of, uh, you know, the, 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 the comments from pedophiles on these, you know, little kids' videos. Uh, do we need automatically to have a comment section on everything in 2019. <laughs> I, I, I almost think that it's an antiquated notion from an era when 
bumping into somebody online, finding something online that you could chime in on was, you know, a, a very important thing. There were the, the Internet was smaller. Literally it was a simpler uh, time. Literally, it was a simpler time. Right now we have a tremendous we have a, a spoiled for choice in how to communicate with each other. And I, I think that there is a realm of the world that doesn't need comments and maybe kids posting on YouTube is one of them. You know, it's funny, uh, by mistake, I had posted something on Instagram and it, uh, you know, I, I had to edit, you know, I, I had made a spelling error or something, you know, so I went in and edited it right away. And by mistake, I turned off commenting. I didn't do it on purpose. I just, it was just something that I'd hit by accident. And like a 24 hours later, I was like, wow, you know, lots of likes on this post, but no comments, not one. I must have said something very poignant. You know, like, yeah, the no one, right? Like, like, like no one wanted to add anything. And finally I like figured it out, but, but it was kind of nice. I have to say it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily that I was like, and let's open the discussion. It was sort of a thing that I had shared and it was sort of nice the way that it was. And I'm considering doing that more often. This is typical of YouTube's hammer approach, right? Turning comments off by default from YouTube would be a great move because of what Justin's saying. And and if you want to build your community and moderate the comments, then you can go in there and turn the setting on. Uh, But what they're saying is everybody's comments are on by default still, unless they have a kid in them. And then we're turning them off and you can't turn them back on um, because that protects them better. Sure. Well, and look, the, the 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 stuff that was uncovered about those videos was very gross, and I do think negligent right. on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. They yeah. Needed to take effort, but I agree with you. I don't know how much YouTube really uh, uh some of their their the ways they implement things. Uh, it, it makes me scratch my head. IBM's X-Force Threat Intelligence Index, uh, which, by the way, monitored 70 billion security events per day in more than 130 countries. Uh, so they, they do some data collection on this. Indicates that criminals are moving away from malware and ransomware in favor of fileless attacks. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's not like malware and ransomware are going away. Fileless attacks, though, are harder to defend against. Criminals are also moving towards crypto jacking which is basically stealing your computer power to mine cryptocurrency rather than stealing your personally identifiable information because dealing with personally identifiable information requires more knowledge and resources. So it's harder to profit from than just crypto jacking somebody's processes. You can make direct money. It's easier to make money that way than dealing with personally identifiable information, especially as companies are starting to crack down on the reuse of personally identifiable information and stopping the breaches. 57% of cyber attacks in this study used administrative tools like PowerShell to escape detection. Targeted phishing attacks accounted for 29%, and 45% of those phishing attacks used targeted business email compromises. So it looks what, like what's happening is uh, the trend is towards let's fish somebody, get access to a machine, and then use that to, uh, to access PowerShell. PowerShell is a scripting language that provides access to a machine's inner core, including unrestricted access to Windows APIs that can run remo- run remotely through WinRM. So 
you aren't detectable. You you basically just need access to a machine. Then you can get into the rest of the network's PowerShell and do whatever you want. And no one will know because PowerShell is resident on the machine. It's approved software from Microsoft. Uh, and that's how you then can install your crypto jacking software, etc. Again, it's not like malware went away. It's not like it's going to be gone away overnight. But this this is an interesting trend to note. But what does the phishing scheme have to do right in order to get that PowerShell access? Phishing scheme just just convinces one person to accidentally allow right. uh, yeah. a, a login uh, to be shared. So that's and that's still uh, an art in itself. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a that's a more social art. And there are other ways to get ad access than phishing too. Uh, and all you need is to get into that machine so you can access PowerShell. But that that's the thing is that this effectively means you get in once. And then instead of harvesting information and then having to find a place to fence that information or 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 finding a buyer to to buy it, uh, you literally just now make money directly in a way that is basically unobtrusive and nobody's really going to know. And even if you're stealing personally identifiable information, if you come in and, and access PowerShell, antivirus is not going to catch you because it's just going to go, oh, PowerShell. Yeah, that one's OK. Uh, so it's yeah. these fileless attacks where you're not leaving any traces that are becoming something that security researchers are starting to try to figure out how to defend against. A quick check of strategy analytics estimates for the wearables market shows that Samsung and Fitbit quadrupled the number of smartwatches shipped in Q4 of 2018 versus the previous year. Apple grew by 1.4 million units over the previous year, too, but its market share dropped 15%. Apple still shipped 9.2 million units to number two, Samsung's 2.4 million. So Apple's still way in first place. Fitbit uh, came in at 2.3 million. The overall smartwatch market grew 56% overall. I mean, this kind of is good news for everybody, right? Uh, it Apple's, is. Apple's market share shrunk because they were so dominant before. Uh, sure. And the overall numbers Kind of like the tablet early. market a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very similar, actually. So yeah, wearables, huh? When are you going to get hey, one? how about that? Well, you know, before the show, I was like, am I the only one who doesn't have a smartwatch? Roger's like, I don't have one either. Um, but I, I, I continue to not want to wear a watch because I just don't like wearing things on my wrist, but that's not the watch's fault. Um, the smartwatch industry continues to give me reasons why I need to change my mind. We are, you want to know when you're going to jump in? We when? are still in the smartphone pre-app world mm. for, for wearables. Yeah. Like as soon as we are able to crack <laughs> what the heart arrhythmia monitor isn't enough. And look, there's cool stuff. <laughs> you can get close, right? But yeah. look, I yeah. was told I was sold on the promise of being able to reliably get an Uber on my wrist. And, uh -huh. and that will be a killer feature when that eventually does become more reliable than it has been in the past. The U.S. Department of Transportation and the Federal Aviation Administration in the U.S. have issued new rules around lithium-ion batteries in cargo holds. The new interim final rule, I love bureaucracy, an interim final rule, disallows lithium-ion cells and batteries in the cargo area of passenger airplanes. Now, it disallows them. It doesn't go so far as to ban them. Uh, they would prefer you put them in your carry-on. But if you must put an electronic device in your checked baggage, the guidelines are to turn it off completely and pack it to be protected from damage. Uh, so what this means is if they don't like the fact that your iPad is on or loose uh, in your bag, they might pull your bag aside and say, hey, this is this is not safe. Uh, for cargo planes, though, the, it, this will have more impact on you. Lithium-ion batteries must have less than 30% charge. 
So those days of getting a phone in the mail with almost a full charge are over, my American friends. Uh, it's 30% max when that thing is shipped. It always anyway. surprised me when it was almost full charge anyway, because I'm like, didn't it come from the other, you know, across the world somewhere? So, yeah, the, I, I think that that, you know, when I first read the story this morning, I was like, wait, what does this mean for me as a passenger on a plane? It means nothing. It, 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 it unless I'm checking a lot of tablets in my checked baggage, which is <laughs> very rare, uh, it, you know, it, it almost never. In fact, I'm not sure it, it's ever happened, but. But yeah, the cargo plane part of it is it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, it's not going to ruin your life, but you have to understand why the 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 battery is so low when you get it in the future because it will be. Yeah, it, it, it's likely to be. I mean, I guess they could come by ship and train and and then not have to meet that. But I, that's I think true. This, this might have an effect. And and also, it's worth pointing out airlines can still put in their own rules. An airline can say you're not allowed to have a device with a battery in it in your check luggage at all because that's our airline's policy. So don't get mad at at your your airline if they tell you that you can't do this because they get to make up their own rules. These are just the FAA guidelines that they have to pay attention to. The New York Times reports its sources say WhatsApp will launch a cryptocurrency pegged to multiple fiat currencies that would let users send cash across international borders. WhatsApp has supposedly approached cryptocurrency exchanges about listing the currency. Telegram and Signal are also reportedly working out cryptocurrencies as well. Now, everybody's reporting this as Facebook because Facebook owns WhatsApp. And I get it because Facebook getting into cryptocurrency makes a a better headline. Uh, But if you focus on this as WhatsApp and focus on this as WhatsApp, the messaging app of choice for the majority of the world, and you focus on the fact that a lot of parts of the world have diaspora communities that want to send money back to them, especially places in, in Asia, Africa, India. Let's let's take India, where WhatsApp is insanely popular. If people working in in other parts of the world can send money back to their families in India without paying a cost and send it back immediately through WhatsApp, this is going to be huge. Absolutely. And, and, well, and what companies will be destroyed by something like this? You know, we oh. talked about Western Union before mm. the show. It's like, you know, where you're going, well, there's like a, a very strange rate, but people kind of have to use it because that's the only thing in place. How does this change the market overall? Yeah, it's it's the market for remittances right now is what keeps uh, a lot of those kinds of companies in, in business, right? Tele- telegrams that you write to send someone a letter don't exist uh, much anymore, but, but the places that can wire money do uh, and it takes a while and I, you know, and, and it costs there, there's a fee. So, so this is a really smart thing to do. Now, I think Ars Technica brings up a really good point. Timothy Lee uh, at Ars Technica brings up why wouldn't WhatsApp just create a financial transaction system. Why are they using cryptocurrency? It may be less efficient to do a cryptocurrency. Uh, but I think what they're trying to do is not escape regulation because if they're tying it to fiat currencies and they're involved in international transactions, they're going to hit regulations. But maybe try to avoid some of the, 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 the length of time it takes to go through the hoops of normal fintech uh, transfers. Because you see all these fintech companies doing this too, saying, you know what, we want to do international transactions with blockchain because we think it's more efficient. Yeah, that, that's it. It, it. It's it's speed. And the, the two biggest problems for anybody who's had to send money overseas is it costs uh, uh, too much money and it uh, takes too much time. Yeah. 
and and remittances is a big deal. If if you don't if you're not involved in that, you may not be aware of it. Uh, but a lot of times, that's that's what keeps your family back home eating food. Is yeah. the ability to send that. So you're kind of over a barrel, like, I got to send it. Uh, and with WhatsApp being as popular as it is in places like India, uh, I think this is a very interesting thing to watch. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget, we have another show available called Daily Tech Headlines. It keeps you up to date. Sarah Lane, myself, Rich Straffolino, uh, switching off each day, bringing you the headlines. You can get it all at dailytechheadlines.com. Thanks also to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Yell the best. Submit stories and vote on other stories and get part of the news at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. All right. Let's All right. check out the mailbag. Let's do it, Brian. In as he <laughs> mentions, soggy Raleigh, North Carolina. It was a little soggy in LA this morning too, Brian. So you're in good company. Had some feedback from Tuesday's show, which was an Apple Watch discussion that Tom and Patrick and Roger had. Brian said, I use the Apple Watch to track my sleep every night. There's a fantastic app called Auto Sleep. It uses the motion sensor data and heart rate monitor in the watch to give me a night-by-night analysis of how well I slept. It shows me how long I was in deep sleep, light sleep, how affected the sleep was, whether the daily two-bed and awake trends are going, and make suggestions for improvement. As for charging issues, I charge my watch while getting ready in the morning or during my commute. Apple sells a short Apple Watch USB charger that I use my car during my 30-minute commute which is enough to keep it going. As an aside, I I enjoy using my Apple Watch as an exercise tracker as well, where I've paired it with a polar chest strap Mm. monitor. This gives me extraordinary heart rate accuracy for activities the watch normally doesn't track as well, such as weight training and interval training. The Apple Watch isn't perfect, but I've really enjoyed it for these use cases. Yeah, I uh, we got a few emails from people who had similar stories. And so thanks to everybody uh, for sending those uh, along. It does seem that the charging moment of choice that most people said was the shower. Uh, when I jump in the shower, I put that thing on the charger and it doesn't take that long for the for watches to charge up because they have a smaller battery. Uh, and that's enough to, to make it through the rest of the day and, and through sleeping. I th- what about what about all the people who don't shower, Tom? I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> who's kind of shutting them that's, out of the whole process? That's where you right? go to uh, Brian's uh, in my okay. commute. You, you charge it while you're on your your 30 minute commute on a USB Got it, charger. Yeah. Don't have to charge. Don't uh, have to shower. Oh, wait, maybe you commute. I don't shower and I walk to work. Uh, well, you should shower because you're walking to work. I mean, as a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. I think that's the... What if you don't shower and you work from home? Mm. Oh, you mean me. Um, Well... Well, I was talking about myself, but, you know... (laughs) You're both gross. <laughs> I shower. It was it was a oh, joke. Justin Robertson. <laughs> well, thanks to Brian for the for the email and thanks to everybody who emailed us about this. And yeah, it's it's nice to know what what folks get the most out of when it comes to these devices, particularly smartwatches. And thanks to Justin Robert Young for being with us. Whether you shower or not, Justin, <laughs> tell folks what you do the rest of the day I'm going to tell you guys something it's going to include a visual punchline that you guys are going to have to sell and react to. So people who are only listening will understand <laughs> how amazing it is. Uh, we are doing a live show in Austin, Texas on March 9th. That is a little more than a week from right now. You can get your tickets at podcastlink.com slash night attack. In fact, go ahead and try it by triggering your voice assistant on your phone right now and just saying podcastlink.com slash night attack. But for the night attack episode that we are recording, we're going to be doing one of our favorite live bits, which is don't get Brody. This is a competitive storytelling uh, uh, game that we play where you tell your story and it doesn't matter whether or not you have the best one. You have to tell it the best. So uh, we time you rodeo style to see who can get the best time. Now, the difference here is that we're going to be doing celebrity don't get brodied for the first time, meaning that instead of the audience uh, uh, saying their stories the way that we normally do and having us up on the stage judge them, we will now have celebrity guests come out, tell their stories, which means the audience for the first time ever gets to vote on whether or not the story is boring them. And so if we're judging the entire audience, we can't have just one person put their thumb down and and have that end the story. We need to moderate it. So we have Tom Merritt coming all the way out from California to be our sheriff to uh, survey the audience and see when a, uh, the, the, the majority of the audience is going to uh, uh, has lost patience in it. But, since we got a large crowd, we can't just rely on Tom's regular thumb. No, nah, it's a little small. It's a little bit of a small thumb. So what do you get? Oh, my gosh. You have a giant thumb. We have this. The, the oh. thumb yeah, is twice the size of my head. There is a very, very large thumb in Justin's thumbs up. arm right now. Thumbs, thumbs, down. thumbs up or thumbs down. Man, thumbs are weird when you blow them up to that size, yeah, they aren't are. they? Whose thumb is that? <laughs> what is that? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm confused. 
You will you will get to see this. Uh, it's going to be an amazing show. It also features ice cream social, music by the Possum Posse and Dual Core, and special guests by not only uh, Tom Merritt, but also uh, Willie Dills, uh, the Whiskey Tribe, Andrew Heaton, and more. So come on out, folks. It is March 9th. Uh, uh, we're moving the start time up a little bit. So uh, the doors will be at uh doors will be at a half uh, hour before they say doors will be at 1 30 1 30 show will be at uh uh 2 30 and we're going until 5 30 it is going to be a great time get your tickets podcastlink.com slash night attack come join us folks and also don't forget uh that uh, tomorrow is march 1st which means we need your help right now if there's ever been a time when you're thinking you know what i want to become a member of dtns i want to get that ad free rss feed and get in the discord and read roger's column uh which came out today uh today's the day to do it stop right now patreon.com slash dtns and get us over the hump to one patron more than last month do it now we we also love your feedback. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep it coming. We read them all. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can find out more and tell a friend, perhaps that next patron, at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Shannon Morris and Len Peralta. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. This <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At Airbus, we're at the forefront of new technology. We're redefining the aerospace industry by using disruptive technologies and new energies to reduce our environmental impact. Okay, thank you very much. We're bringing the world together, collaborating, and acting on climate change. At Airbus, we're pioneering sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. Learn more at Airbus.com.